0: well hey there all you cool cats and kittens you're looking mighty fine tonight and thank you so very much for tuning in to the monday night dream infringement hour this is jennifer heading up a solo show however normally there are three of us bobby and emily castillo radio couple extraordinaire and me jennifer radio single person also extraordinaire Yes, So lately I was craving some old school doo-wop music. So old school doo-wop it is. There's just something about the harmonies, the melodrama. So catchy, so distinctive. I knew names of different artists, but I didn't know backstories. So I'm going to delve a little bit into some of the singers and the groups and their history. So if you stay tuned in, you'll be learning right along with me. We're starting off the show with the song The Wanderer. came out in 1961 by Dion DiMucci. Dion was one of the most popular American rock and roll performers in the 50s and 60s. He had 39 top 40 hits in that time. He's 83 years old these days. And in June 2020, he released the album Blues with Friends. Dion has been married to Susan Butterfield since 1963. And they have three daughters Dion was born to an Italian- American family in the Bronx New York he accompanied his father Pascal Demucci a vaudeville entertainer on tour as a child his singing was honed on the street corners and local clubs of the Bronx where he and other neighborhood singers created a cappella riffs so here it is the wanderer. Just cause I'm a wanderer. Yeah. Mr. Postman by the Marvelettes, 1961. This group was originally formed at Inkster High School in Michigan by 15 year old Glee Club member Gladys Horton in the fall of 1960. The members struggled to come up with a name for their new act until one of the members jokingly took a stab at their own singing ability, saying, We can't sing yet. Horton altered the saying to, The Can Sing Yet's. In 1961, the quintet, now called the Marvels, entered a talent show contest on the behest of their teacher, and ended up finishing in fourth place. Though only the first three winners were offered a trip to audition for the fledgling Motown label, two of the girls' school teachers advised that they be allowed to audition, too. Upon auditioning for Motown Executives, they had a second audition with bigger staff, who, while impressed with their vocal styles, advised them to come back with their own composition. Returning to Inkster, Georgia Dobbins contacted a local musician named William Garrett, who had an unfinished blues composition titled Please, Mr. Postman. Garrett allowed Dobbins to use it as long as he received songwriting credit if the song became a hit. Despite having no previous songwriting experience, Dobbins took the song home and reshaped it overnight to reflect the teenage sound of doo When the group returned and performed their composition, they were told they should change their name, so they went from the Marvels to the Marvelettes, They were the first successful act of Motown Records after the Miracles, and the first significantly successful female group after their release of Please Mr. Postman. Not bad for little 15-year-old Gladys Horton, or she probably was 16 by the time that this song was released. So here we have Please Mr. Postman by The Marvelettes, aka The Marvels, aka The Cancignettes you mean everything to me by neil sadaka came out in 1959 Neil is also 83 years old these days. He married Leba Strasberg in 1962, and the couple have one daughter and one son. Interestingly similar to Dion's life, Sadako was born in Brooklyn, New York, and his father, Mordecai Mack Sadaka, was a taxi driver. Neil demonstrated musical aptitude in his second grade choral class, and his teacher sent him home with a note suggesting he take piano lessons. His mother took a part-time job in an Abraham and Strauss department store for six months to pay for a second-hand upright piano. In 1947, he auditioned successfully for a piano scholarship to the Juilliard School of Music's Preparatory Division for Children, which he attended on Saturdays. He discovered pop music, and it took his heart. He ended up becoming a major teen pop star, and his career has had a lot of highs and lows over the years. But he's still playing music. In April of 2020, he launched a series of free mini-concerts through his social media channels as a method of entertaining his fans during the COVID-19 pandemic. So here is You Mean Everything to Me. You are the answer to my lonely prayer. Del Shannon with Runaway, 1961. He was born Charles Whedon Westover in 1934 in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He learned to play the ukulele and guitar and was drafted into the Army in 1954. And While in the Army, played guitar in a band called the Cool Flames. When his service ended, he returned to Michigan and worked as a carpet salesman and a truck driver for a furniture factory. He found part-time work as a rhythm guitarist in the group the Moonlight Ramblers working at the High Low Club. He eventually took over as leader and singer and was signed in 1960 to become a recording artist and composer for Big Top Records. It was suggested that he use a different name. I don't know why Charles Westover wasn't good enough, but I mean, it could have been like Charlie West. There's a lot of directions this could have gone. But instead, (laughs) they came up with Del Shannon, combining Mark Shannon, a wrestling pseudonym used by a regular at the high-low club, with Dell derived from the Cadillac Coupe de Ville his favorite car. Uh, Sadly he did pass away in 1990 at the age of 55. He was later inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1999. There was a Dell Shannon Memorial Scholarship Fund set up and Coopersville, Michigan also holds an annual Dell Shannon car show. A very fitting tribute. So here we are with Runaway. I'm a walking in the rain. Tears are falling and I feel a pain. Wishing you were here by me to end this misery. And I I wonder, I wonder. In the Still of the Night by The Five Satins came out in 1956. Not sure why they were the Five Satins as there was hardly ever just five of them. They were formed in 1954 in New Haven, Connecticut. The song was written by Fred Paris, and they recorded it in the St. Bernadette Catholic School basement in 1956. In the Still of the Night is one of two songs that may lay claim to being the origin of the term doo-wop, and that came to describe a whole entire musical genre. As there are 17 past members credited and 7 current members, it's hard to have much commentary on them because they changed around so much. Anyhow, this is The Five Satins with Still of the Night. Heartbeat by Buddy Holly. Charles Harden Holly, known as Buddy Holly, was born in Texas during the Great Depression. The Holly family had an interest in music. All of the family members, except for their father, were able to play an instrument or sing. He made his first appearance on local television in 1952, and in 1955, after opening for Elvis Presley, he decided to pursue a career in music, which was funny to me. That that's what it took. Normal people usually have pres- <laughs> have decided Something like this before they open for Elvis. <laughs> it's not just incidental, but uh, His singing style was characterized by his vocal hiccups and his alternation between his regular voice and falsetto His innovative playing style was characterized by its blending of chunky rhythm and high string lead work At the beginning of their music careers, Holly and his group wore business suits, and then they met the Everly Brothers. Don Everly introduced them to Ivy League clothes, and the brothers advised Holly to replace his old-fashioned glasses with horn rim glasses. Which seemed to be pretty savvy fashion advice for the times, and quite nice of the Everly Brothers to kind of take them under their wing and advise. The demand for Buddy Holly Records was so great, and he recorded so prolifically that after he passed away, his record label was able to release new Holly albums and singles for the next 10 years, which is quite the musical legacy. So anyway, here we go with Heartbeat by Buddy Holly. Heartbeat, why do you miss when my baby kisses me? Put Your Head on My Shoulder by Paul Anka came out in 1959. Paul Anka was born in 1941. In Ottawa, Ontario. He recorded his first single, I Confess, when he was just 14. In 1946, with $100 given to him by his uncle, he went to New York City where he auditioned for ABC Records. The resulting song, Diana, brought him stardom as it went to number one on the Canadian and US music charts. Diana is one of the best-selling singles ever by a Canadian recording artist, and he followed that up with four songs that made it into the top 20 in 1958, making him, at 17, one of the biggest teen idols of the time. He toured with Buddy Holly, and he wrote It Doesn't Matter Anymore, a song for Holly, which Holly recorded just before he died in 1959. Anka stated shortly afterwards, It doesn't matter anymore, has a tragic irony about it now, but at least it will help look after Buddy Holly's family. I'm giving my composer's royalty to his widow. It's the least I can do. Sort of an interesting gift and legacy. It's thoughtful. Inca was married to, uh, to his wife Anne from 1963 until 2001, then they got divorced after almost 40 years. He has married two times after that, and also divorced two times after that, and has a grand total of six children. 1981, the Ottawa City Council named August 26th as Paul Inca Day. You know, I'd never looked at pictures of Paul Inca when he was a teen, and my, my, he was quite the cutie. I had no idea. Anyway, this is Put Your Head on My Shoulder by Paul Inca, who's still alive, by the way. (laughs) Born in 1941 and still going strong. Put your head on my shoulder just reached the midway point and you're listening to dream infringement with your host me jennifer by myself (laughs) normally there's three of us i just had a a hankering truly a craving to hear some doo-wop songs so that's what i'm playing for y'all tonight and now back to the show the great pretender by the platters came out in 1956 Herb Reed named the group while sitting around a kitchen table inspired by the turntable of an old phonograph machine and the platter that spun the vinyl records. Which I didn't know. I always thought it had to do with more of like a serving dish. The band had tried to release two singles, but they just were not getting a lot of traction in the music world. One of the members asked their friend, music entrepreneur and songwriter, Buck Ram, to coach the group. He made some changes to the lineup, most notably the addition of female vocalist Zola Taylor. The Great Pretenders lyrics were written in the washroom of the Flamingo Hotel in Las Vegas by Buck Ram, and they really started taking off. The group had 40 charting singles on the billboard hot 100 between the years of 1955 and 1967. As a group though the Platters began to have difficulty with the public after about 1959 because of some arrests. Though no one was convicted it really affected their professional reputation and US radio stations started removing some of their records from playlists. And then everybody sued everyone and went their ways and still kept suing everybody it got really messy in a litigious sense but the one thing that's not messy is this song so here we go the great pretender by the platters oh yes i'm the great pretender sang Be My Baby in 1963. They were an American girl group from the New York area. The group consisted of lead singer Veronica Bennett, her older sister Estelle Bennett, and their cousin Nedra Talley. They had sung together since they were teenagers, and they were then known as the Darling Sisters. For a moment, they were renamed... Ronnie and the Relatives before they became the Ronettes. They originally auditioned for Colpix Records, and they were signed, but they were not seeing a lot of success. So in early 1963, Sister Estelle placed a phone call, an ill-fated phone call, to producer Phil Spector and told him the Ronettes would like to audition for him. At the audition, Spectre was sitting at a piano, and when the group began singing, Why Do Fools Fall in Love, he suddenly jumped up from his seat and shouted, That's it! That's it! That's the voice I've been looking for! Originally, he wanted to sign Ronnie as a solo act until her mother told him it was all or none, so then he signed them as a group. And then he became the real-life phantom of the opera. Sing for me! Cher would later write, Be My Baby, was the first record I ever sang on. She actually became a permanent backup singer on recordings by the Ronettes and other recordings that Phil Spector produced. Over the course of the next year, the Ronettes recorded a song catalog. However, it was not released. Why, you might ask, why was their new music not released? That's because Ronnie and Phil were kind of a thing, and Spectre allegedly did not want the Ronettes to become too popular, in fear, allegedly, that they would one day outshine him, and so he didn't release recordings that they were contractually obligated to make. In 1967, the group agreed to break up and go their separate ways. Ronnie married Phil, and It was not a happy ending. It was the opposite of a happy ending. She eventually left him in 1972, and then there was a lot of lawsuits. There was custody and royalty lawsuits. You cannot say that their parting was amicable. Ronnie herself died in January of this year, but we have some amazing songs to remember her by. So here we go with Be My Baby. We'll make them turn their heads by The Shields. The Shields formed in 1958 by producer George Mottola solely for the purpose to record a cover version of The Slades You Cheated, which went to number 11 in R&B and number 12 in pop in 1958. It was the group's only hit. Really their only song. They came together for this occasion and then that was it. Which is hard for me to accept. Like, well... (laughs) Now that you've found each other, why not keep the good thing going? But I guess they had their reasons. And I thought, why do they need to redo the Slade's version? And I listened, and I can see why. That version sounds like a university a cappella group, and it's just in too high of a key. It just starts off high, and it just, yeah, it kind of, it's grating a little bit. So I think this version is much better, and apparently George Matola knew his stuff. He knew what he was doing. I should have trusted him for the the brief three minutes that it took me to research this anyway here's you cheated by the shields you cheated you lied you said that you love me you cheated you lied you said that you want me the end of the world by skeeter davis was released in 1962. Skeeter Davis was born Mary Frances Penick in 1931, and she was an American country music singer who sang crossover pop music songs, including The End of the World. Because her grandfather thought she had a lot of energy for a young child, he nicknamed Mary Frances Skeeter, slang for mosquito. So that's how she got that name. So the rest of her story is is sad like it was one of those the hits keep on coming kind of things and I don't want to tell you really sad stories I'd rather just play you really sad songs so I'm gonna go ahead and do that this is The End of the World by Skeeter Davis. Why does the sun go shine? Mr. Sandman by the Cordettes was... A number one hit in 1955. The Cordettes were an American female vocal quartet specializing in traditional pop music. Uh, one of the singers, Ginny Osborne, had maybe a little bit of an edge. Her father was for one year president of the Barbershop Harmony Society, but he was part of the Barbershop Harmony Society, so perhaps that's where they got their ability and talent and skill to harmonize like they do. So this is The quartets with Mr. Sandman. Sandman I'm so bum, 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 bum. Don't have nobody to call my own. Bum, 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 bum. Turn on your magic beam. Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. Why Do Fools Fall in Love with Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers? I had never looked at who sang the song. I had no idea who sang the song. I always assumed it was a lady. But it wasn't. When this song hit it big in 1956, young Frankie was just 14 years old. He was born in Harlem, New York, to Jeanette and Howard Lyman. Howard was a truck driver. Jeanette was a maid. Both sang in the gospel group, The Harlem Heirs. The Lyman struggled to make ends meet. So Frankie began working as a grocery boy at age 10. At age 12 in 1954, he heard a local doo-wop group known as the Coupe de Villes at a school talent show. He became friends with the lead singer, Herman Santiago, and he eventually became a member of the group. One day in 1955, a neighbor gave the group several love letters that had been written to him by his girlfriend, hoping to give the boys inspiration to write their own songs they adapted one of the letters into the song why do fools fall in love i'm really curious about what that love letter said that (laughs) it inspired such a song on the day of the group's big audition with producer the original lead singer herman santiago was late so frankie stepped up and told them he knew the part and he did, and he kind of became the the lead singer after that. So poor Harmon, that was really like the worst time to be late to something. They could have written a song like "The Early Bird Gets the Worm." The person who shows up to the audition gets the part. Here is Frankie and the Teenagers with "Why Do Fools Fall in Love." Love is a This is the Everly Brothers with Let It Be Me, which came out in 1959. The two were raised in a very musical family, first appearing on radio singing along with their father Ike and their mother Margaret as the Everly family in the 1940s. When they were just tiny boys, the brothers sang on the radio as little Donnie and baby boy Phil. When the brothers were still in high school, they gained the attention of prominent Nashville musicians like Chet Atkins, who began to promote them for national attention. And their careers took off. And then their careers began to wane a bit over time. In the early 1970s, they started releasing solo work, And in 1973, they officially broke up. They announced that their final performance would take place in 1973 at Knott's Berry Farm. But tensions between the two were so bad that Don told a reporter he was tired of being an Everly brother. And during the show, Phil smashed his guitar and walked off, leaving Don to finish the show without him. The two would not reunite musically for more than 10 years, but they did reunite in 1983. Paul Simon later said, Phil and Don were the most beautiful sounding duo I have ever heard. Both voices pristine and soulful. The Everleys were there at the crossroads of country and R&B. They witnessed and were a part of the birth of rock and roll. So here is Let It Be Me by the Everly Brothers.
1: Don't take
0: this heaven from one If you must cling to someone Now and forever Let it be me Well, we've reached the end of the show. I was really able to picture some of these artists singing back in their heyday, especially little Gladys from the Marvelettes who was just 15 and belting that song out. Anyhow, I hope that you learned something and maybe heard a song you hadn't heard before and I hope you can join us next Monday when we'll be reunited. Till then you can listen to older episodes on soundcloud and itunes or find us on instagram and facebook to uh, see what we look like and get updates and <laughs> such things uh, just type in dream infringement amazingly there's not a lot of uh, dream infringement competition out there so far so just us easy to find And as always, we love you, Miriam. Good night.